And even like the Corona trip up that is like, I know that's affected all of our careers and it's made me realize, oh shit, like I know what my goals are. Like it's almost being a great lesson to get so that I can get so clear on my goals, my values, what really friggin' matters. So I think any failure, whether it be career or relationship or anything, all of it is a lesson to make you, if you do the work, a better human. gives you two choices when it throws everything at you. You can let it swallow you whole or you take those lemons. And as the old saying goes, you turn it into sweet, delicious lemonade. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Welcome to Lemonade. I'm your host, Elizabeth O'Neill, and I'll be sharing the incredible stories from inspiring people who've turned the hardest times in their life, their lemons into lemonade. Because let's be real, we all want to know how they did it, the lessons they learnt, and what life is like sipping the Michello on the other side. Let's get juicing. Lola Berry is one of Australia's best known nutritionists, and it's no doubt you've seen her pop up on your TV screen over the years. The author of nine books, she's passionate about inspiring us to take care of our health so we can live our best lives. Lola is also a yoga teacher podcast host. She studies acting full-time. Oh, and recently she founded Lola Coffee, instant coffee infused with medicinal mushrooms. I can barely keep up. But it hasn't always been an easy journey. Battling disordered eating in her 20s, as well as weathering through a ferocious social media storm that almost ended her career. Lola gets candid about embracing failure, why women have an unhealthy relationship with food, self-love and self-worth, dating narcissists, the fickle world of fame and social media, why she swears by therapy and why it's essential every one of us find our purpose. You'll probably be able to tell while listening to this interview, but I loved my chat with Lola and I hope you enjoy it too. Here she is. Lola, welcome to Lemonade. I'm so, so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for being here. Mate, I am (laughs) honoured to be on Lemonade. I love your art. By the way, I'm a fan. I'm oh, a fan. thank you so much. I so appreciate that. How are you in Torquay? <laughs> we're very lucky. We are in stage three, so we're not as hardcore as Melbs where you are. Um, so we can still go out a few times a day, get some nature vibes and mm. head down to the beach. So, look, we're pretty lucky and it's Torquay. It's beautiful. It's so. beautiful. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe like a little cheeky dip into the freezing ocean. Would you be again? Yeah, no, I've been, yeah, yeah. Really? I do with sunset. I go and put my feet in the water. It's so nice. Is it freezing? And I don't fully dip. I don't fully dip. It would be so cold. <laughs> it would be so cold. Oh, and there was a shark sighting recently, so I'm like, <laughs> What kind of shark? Do you know? Someone got bitten. Yeah, in Torquay at Bells Beach. Probably, actually, probably it was about two months ago now. He was a surfer and it just had a little nip at him and he pushed it away and he was okay. really fine. Maybe don't go in their water then. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't go for a swim then. <laughs> and you're down there with Matt, who is your partner. And yes. my, we don't, we've never really figured it out, but we think like second or third cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, <laughs> Matt's amazing. The bosso. He's sitting opposite <laughs> me with his headphones on, so we can't hear. Us talking about him. Yeah. <laughs> it's just such a small world. When I get, when we realized a couple of years ago, um, that we were related. My 
nonna is siblings with his nonna. And we oh. were just like, what is going on yeah. in this world? How do you just discover that someone is your relative? Anyway, it's very strange. So good. <laughs> and I like, I haven't ever dated a, an Italian boy before. And it's just so amazing. The like family, Heaven. like the value placed on family and how, how big, like yeah. he's a so how big the sofos are in Melbourne. And I'm like, whoa, I had no idea. Yeah. And the food. Oh my goodness. Christmas, Easter. Mm. Oh, we actually I, all had a Zoom last night because oh. it was Matt's mum and sister's birthday. And so they had all the cake on their Zoom. It was very cute. Oh <laughs> God. There's a part of me that's sick of all this Zoom stuff. I just want to go back to just being with human contact. But it is so important just to be keeping up that contact on some level though. Totally. Oh, yeah, 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 big time. So, Lola, with all of my guests, I love to go right back to the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me about your childhood? What was it like for you? Yeah, so I've been raised in a family where my parents got divorced when I went into prep and this might sound like a really weird thing to say, but my brother and I were always like sick, two birthdays, two Christmases, two Easters and I'm so fortunate my mum and dad have such a beautiful friendship and I'm sure they would have done that for us because I was going into prep and my brother would have been like three or four. Um, so I'm sure they did it for us, but they just have like a really beautiful respect for one another. So we always were, a, and my mum remarried later on and my dad, you know, would look after us and bring us to the wedding. Like it was just really oh. cool. So it wasn't like a yucky kind of childhood that you hear of, like mm-hmm. with, with split, split family. It was actually quite, I think we were quite spoiled to be honest with you. So yeah, one little brother grew up in Malbs, um, was always in the sport team in the drama club growing up at school. And as soon as I finished school, I went straight into Bachelor of Performing Arts at Monash. So I've always kind of been into a drama and a creative arts and studied arts all the way through school. So I've always kind of been pretty creative. That's kind of mm-hmm. been my whole um, jam. And then like I from that graduation, I pulled out of school like I pulled out of uni I was like oh, I don't want to be a drama teacher dad I'm going to pull out of my degree and he's like oh. he nearly had a conniption and he was like <laughs> promise me you'll get a degree one day and I was like yeah no worries and I pulled out became a friggin' DJ and makeup <laughs> artist party animal um we're, I think we're similar ages so like I was partying at like Prince of Wales mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. all that and then um yeah I started getting in, really into health and I was just so into the way food had such an impact on our whole being that I started studying nutritional medicine. And that's when I got my bachelor degree, much to my dad's happiness. (laughs) I love that, you know, you've had, you've worn so many different hats. There's so many different things you've done. As you said, just said a DJ, you had your party years, a makeup artist, found your way into nutrition, did drama. Do you find now, and we'll, you know, get to everything you're doing now and doing these days, but do you find there's been little glimpses, little bits that you've taken from each of those things that you've done that seem so unrelated, but now kind of make sense to who you are? Yeah, totally. And I think when I first, when I finished my nutrition degree, I pretty quickly got into media. And I think the drama studies probably helped with 
that and being comfortable speaking to a crowd or being on camera or anything like that. Whereas, you know, I could have easily just been like, oh, that was a waste of half a degree. But no, it, and it's so funny because now um, I'm back studying acting. So it's really, it's funny how everything is for a reason nothing is a waste. Absolutely. And you, you obviously became a nutritionist, as you said. Was there always, you remember growing up, an interest in food and health and keeping yourself healthy? Yeah, totally. So mom, my mum is a nurse or used to be a nurse. She just recently retired and she would always send me to school with spirulina balls. Now, oh my now God. we don't think, yeah, like <laughs> now we're like, oh yeah, spirulina is a superfood. But back when I was in like grade four and grade five, people were like, why are you eating these monster green ball things? It would have been weird. Right. And mum was sending us to school with them. So she's always been really health conscious. I remember like lollies at home were dried apricots. And so she really, really was into her own health. And therefore I think that naturally kind of just rubbed off, rubbed off on us kids. And my brother now, obviously a a fully grown adult, um, also is super healthy now. So I think that we've probably got mum to thank for that. Cause I, I would always remember when we were at dad's house, we were allowed pop tarts and you know, <laughs> I love my dad, but like the, the, the cheekier unhealthy, um, s- kind of snacks. But yeah, I think mum said when I was a, like really young, I'd go to kids parties and she's like the other kids would be playing with a pinata or, you know, leap the frog. And she's like, you'd always be eating at the table. <laughs> Oh, and weren't they the best snacks? Like, I don't remember the last time I had fairy bread, but anyway. (laughs) A friend of mine on Insta has just had baby. Well, not just had babies, but they're like two years old and she's just two days ago gave them fairy bread and I was like, oh, my God, send some my way. Seriously. On that tip-top white bread, you know. (laughs) Yeah, the cheapest possible white bread, totally, with the the crust cut off preferably. Um, Yes. Now, keeping on food, you have been very open in the past about your history with disordered eating and the problems with your life and battles with that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, for me, I'd started working in television as a nutritionist by this stage of the game. And I remember I'd done a segment on, it was called 9am with David and Kim, which was like a Channel 10 brekkie show. And I lived in Melbourne. I worked on this morning show, but I still worked at the local organic grocery store in Pram Market called Ripe. And I remember I'd done my shift on tally and then I got changed, pulled all my makeup off and I was working at this organic grocer and someone walked up to me and said, I saw your segment tomorrow, this morning, great segment. And I go, oh, thanks. Thanks so much. You know, like, what did you like about it? And they're like, was really, really cool. It was really good with what you were talking about, but you should never wear yellow. You look pudgy. (gasps) And that's just like one example, but there were things that was like, constantly going on. I would never be confident to introduce myself in a meeting as a nutritionist. I'd always introduce myself as a foodie because I was like, oh, they think I'm too fat to be a nutritionist. And so there there was this like negative talk, self-talk. And then I remember I had a work trip to Los Angeles booked and I knew that I was doing a holiday in Hawaii after. So I was away for like six weeks and something just happened. I kind of got off the plane. And I was like, I'm going to try this paleo eating mm. while I'm away. And obviously LA is like at the forefront of health and wellness. And so I got really healthy and really, really healthy. And I lost 20 kilos and I felt great. And I 
looked really lean, but then I didn't know how to pull the handbrake up and I just took it so far. I weighed like 47 kilos. Oh my God, that is tiny. Yeah. I I never was bulimic, just um, heavy food restriction and definitely anorexia. Like I controlled my calories. I over-exercised. Probably, I I mean, probably I was almost more orthorexia with an intense of health food uh but i you know i was just i got asked this question this morning actually and i I, the thing i want to say to women now is like remember health is broad like i can be 55 kilos and healthy and i can be 65 kilos and be totally healthy and it's just you need to do what feels good for you and everyone is still going to have their opinion and you just can't help that and so I really try to use this topic as an opportunity to let people know that do the health that feels right for you. Mm, especially, especially because, you know, I turned 30 a few months ago and you're just your shape of your body changes. And I think that's really important for women to look like. I look back at photos of 21 and I'm like, oh, I wish you, why didn't I look like that anymore? It's like, well, of course I don't. I'm 30 now. Like just the, just your bone shape and the structure of it completely changes. But we're so hard on ourselves and we're conditioned as women to believe that is our value and that is it. Totally. I've got, I tell my best friend, she's a couple of years older than me. So I'm a couple of years older than you. I'm 34. And um, I always call my best friend. And I'm like, it's so hard to diet over 30. Yes. She's, <laughs> like, she's like, tell me about it. And I was like, I didn't realize this was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also beautiful because the changes you make in your 30s become more permanent because you've got a much clearer mindset and you're often doing it because you're doing it because you want to do it, not because you're doing it for some external reason. And so I think, yeah, if you do if you do kind of like ever go on a cleanse, which we all do, or detox, it'll often take a lot longer to find visible results from a weight loss perspective. Mm-hmm. But when they happen, they should stick with you a little bit longer because um, you've had to work harder to get them. If that yeah. What is the, you know, when people focus on, you know, what are people missing when they're focusing on, oh, I want to, I've decided I want to lose X amount of centimetres or X amount of weight by this date because I want to look at, because looking in that way will make me feel this way what are what are women especially missing when they have that kind of mindset brilliant question so the first thing I always say is like why do you want to do it and they're like I want to make an ex jealous I want to look hot in my bikini Mm. in the summer I've got a wedding coming up after obviously this is all before corona stuff but I mean weddings will come about again um I've got a wedding coming up my ex is probably going to be there I want to make him jealous like and I'm like get it I've had all these. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm like tick, tick, tick. I've Raising got all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. But the best thing about this is, like, if you learn this now, basically you'll get the results. Like, you can restrict, like, calorie input, calorie output. You can totally restrict and get results. But if you're not doing it because it's something that is like an innate value system within yourself, you will not hold the results. Mm. And that's the key. And that's why I always send my clients that want to lose weight to a therapist because it is a mental game, not a physical game at all. And that sounds really harsh. Like I've said that a few times in interviews and I'm like, I know, I know that the response to see a therapist sounds harsh, but I see a therapist once Mm. a week. It's my non-negotiable. But I think that when you figure out why you have that goal to make the ex jealous. I mean, which is totally human nature. I don't worry about that. But like 
why can't it be when you want to like get results or lose weight or for me, it's like that sneaky five, you know, how you just want to lose it. I'm always like, and I'll be happy when I'll be happy when this happens. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think like, I get it because I know when I feel my best is often when I'm looking my best, Mm -hmm. but I think that it's got to be when you've done it because you love who you are. That's what I was about to ask. What is the role that self-love plays in that then? Well, I believe that that gives you long-term results because if you're doing it out of a sense of, hey, I think I'm awesome and I think I deserve to feel the way that I want to feel, so I'm doing this for me. It doesn't matter how long it takes. doesn't matter how it looks. doesn't matter what anyone says. I've got this pair of jeans I had when I was 21. I don't care. I want to wear them because I want to feel freaking great. I'd have no problem with that. And a lot of nutritionists, nutritionists will be listening to me going, no, but metabolically over 30, you know, the body works different. We've got different hormone levels, da, 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 da. Yeah. But there are plenty of like plenty of people in their thirties, forties that are so comfortable in their skin and mm. fit and great. And, and often they're much healthier mm. in age group than they were in their 20s because they were probably binge eating and in your 20s you're doing it all for the wrong reasons which is where the self-love kind of message comes in but I think when you get really clear on why you want to do it and you start to value who you are I think you can make changes that will be with you forever if you want them to be with you forever. How has your mind frame differed from when you're in your 20s and perhaps having these kind of external goals you're striving for and as you said you touched on a anorexia and orthorexia and these you know you're so restrictive on yourself compared to now in your you know you said you're 34 um perhaps I'm assuming feel more settled and now how you treat and love yourself yeah and I think oh good questions you're on the money Uh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you I'm gonna gonna attribute it to my peppermint oil that I had inhaled before oh how good is it do you do the whole inhale yeah just makes me feel yeah anyway it's like a little coffee shot of it really is (laughs) I read in the book and it was like just a little side note it was like don't get addicted to peppermint oil because it can be like you can get addicted to the yeah it brings yeah, it really, it's like it opens everything up. Yeah. Um, I think the difference is, so I've definitely like in my 20s, totally lost weight and shedded and shredded. Um, you know, the difference is in your 20s, right, you can do it in two weeks. And that sounds like what she's saying here. The truth is you can calorie control for two weeks and you'll be able to like women hold about four kilo, up to four kilos of fluid at any one time. Wow. So you can probably get results pretty darn quickly in your 20s. The difference is doing it in your 30s, that's not going to happen. You can try. It's just not your body won't let you do it. It just will not. Um, And so you have to want it and you have to have the tenacity that you didn't need in your 20s. And so I think that's where the mental health game comes in. I think you've got to be and like, I definitely am in the camp where I'm like, oh, I want to be five kilos lighter, 100%. And I'm also in the camp where, I know I'll get that because I understand, I've studied the green it, like I understand it. But at the same time, I know that that's only going to happen when my mentality around it is totally bang on. Mm. And it means that, you know, you go out to, again, post-COVID, you go out to dinner with mates and you make the healthy choice on the Mm. menu. Mm, mm. You know, but now I'd be like, oh, my God, like, and like I was saying uh, just this, this morning, like, shit, like I eat bad food still and and that's, fine we're in a pandemic and everything is changing and there's emotional upheaval as a result of what's going on right now but I think that 
yeah, I think the main difference between doing it in your 20s to doing it in your 30s is a sense of self-worth, self-love, but also like mental health and mental stability. But to me, that doesn't come just from being settled. That comes from doing the work from mm. a therapy perspective. And I really am interested in that. You said that before you refer people to going and seeing a therapist. I even know with myself when I'm not in a great headspace and I might be getting beat, then beat, then you can beat yourself up on yourself physically because of what's going up here. Your body holds on to that stress and it holds on to that inflammation. What kind of, I don't know, in, I don't know if you've seen it in your life or you've seen it in your clients, what kind of release do you see from them when they do address that emotional link to food and binging, which I'm, very guilty of doing when I feel oh, crap. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Too. Every time Matt goes shopping to get stuff, I'm like, can you bring back a family size block of my, um, marvelous creation or marble chocolate, please? Is that your and thing? He's like, no, yeah, I'm sweet or caramel koalas. Mm, oh yeah. Koalas. koalas. <laughs> um, he's like, no, no. And he usually, and I'll like work my way back through all the healthier things like pan of chocolate, loving earth, the ice cream. And yeah. I'll like work, work, work. And then eventually I'll go a granny Smith apple. And he's like, done. you're biting into you're like this is not what i had in mind (laughs) this is not chocolate (laughs) um but as far as like the mental shift i mean it's i think it's different for everybody usually eating disorder stuff um the reason why that exists is there's a lack of control in some part of your life Mm. therefore you use food restriction to feel like you have a sense of control. So that's how it happened for my life and how it manifested in my life. But also I think feeling like I couldn't control people's judgment of me on TV. And so I was like, oh, well, I can control this one little component of my life. Whereas I think um, when you kind of like work with a therapist and face things that might've had an impact on you from a younger age that you're not even consciously aware of, and then you work on them you know, you, you move through so much. So for example, I saw my therapist on Tuesday via FaceTime because he's in Melbs and I said, shivers, I haven't binged once since first lockdown. And he's like, he's like, that's massive. Cause usually when you, with eating disorders, it's like a 10 year, um, healing journey. It's really long. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really full on. I was like, I haven't, binge at all. I'm like, I've had treats, but I like, I haven't overdone it. And he's like, that says so much about where you're at, where you are in your life. And so I just think it looks completely different for everybody. And I think that if you are that person that has the same dialogue of like, Oh, why have I just binged again? Or mm-hmm. why am I holding that extra five kg or why am I Oh, I won't find love and, you know, I'm not going to find someone because I look like this or I am unlovable because of this. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be that. Mm. I was always – and do you know what? I'm one of those crazy – I literally – well, I know I said one of those crazy girls, but I was that (laughs) where I would only date someone when I was a certain weight. Yeah. 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 And I'm like – like as if they know the difference between 60 and 65 kilos, but I clearly think that they do. Yeah. And it's so funny. Like I would consistently date the wrong kind of person. And my Mm. therapist said to me one day, when would you like to stop dating narcissists? And I was like, oh my, oh my God. And he's like, you're, and there's that saying, you bring in a mirror of where you're at. So think about like, I've dieted, dieted, dieted for like six weeks. Crazy. I start dating, like you bring in a mirror, right? So I've, 
thought that my self-worth is so shit that I'm going to diet, diet, diet. It's like some weird false way I think, oh, well, I look better now. I'm going to date. And then I date someone that doesn't even treat me properly because of my low self-worth. Yeah. Do you get it? Like, and then obviously, like, I remember the first date I went on with boss. I didn't want to go on it. I was three hours late because I was so anxious (laughs) that I was too fat. Oh, yeah. And I remember he texted me because I was so late, obviously. He was there with friends, though. Everyone feels sorry for him. And I'm like, no, no, I had to walk into the lion's den. He was just drinking yeah. at Neptune, no problemo. That's like, very intimidating. Right? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But he texted me and he was like, I can tell you feel anxious. Don't worry. Our oh. safe word will be pineapples. Just tell me pineapples and I'll put you straight in an Uber. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, he's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I, rem- I think I responded with, but what if you're not nice? Because <laughs> you didn't know one another. Is that right? You hadn't at met- all. No. I'm really surprised no. by that. Mm, yeah. And, gonna- and um, he, he wrote, lol, what if you're not nice? And then I was like, okay, this is going to be fun. And, like, I, I rocked up, felt so shit about the way I looked. And I remember I sat down and I was like, I felt like I could breathe and I was like, oh, I can be myself with this person. Wow. Yeah. And so second dating, I was like, P.S. I've got a therapist. And he was like, oh, I find that so attractive. I've got one too. I feel like that was really interesting when you said about that and it was a bit of a truth bomb and a light bulb moment for me and I'm sure a lot of people listening that your emotional state and I've got to get look a certain way because then I'm going to, and then you are attracting this, this same kind of person because that's the mind frame you're in of thinking you have to better yourself and be a certain person to please somebody else. And that's exactly what a narcissist is looking for. Someone that is malleable and someone that they can fit into being on as well. So yeah. Trust me, seeing a therapist is the funnest lesson. Like it makes you catch yourself with Mm -hmm. the dating game so quickly. I remember before I met boss, um, the last kind of person I dated, total dingo. And um, (laughs) he was just doing dingo things and freaking out. And yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, cause I've seen a therapist so regularly, I could see that he had psychological problems like pretty quickly. And normally guys like that will, I'm sure that you've, you know this, I've just got this feeling, you know, guys that have got their own issues will then kind of like try and hook you in and be like, Oh, well you're fucked up. This guy said that to me. So he said, um, I, I've just got to go, like flipped out. It was at my house. It was like the first night we were going to spend together. It flipped out. I've got to go. I've got to leave. I've like fully flipped out. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, excuse me, is something going wrong here? Like, cause, and he was like, oh, you know, like um, maybe I'm a bit fucked up, but maybe you are too. And I go, hang on a minute. It's not unreasonable for me to, and I was like, thank you therapist. Thank you therapist. Cause I was <sighs> so able to call out the situation and the and really observe it. behavior. I feel like women, when you said that just then, would almost get lost in that romance of what you just said, which sounds so fucked up because, you know, him saying, yeah. I'm fucked up, but so are you. That almost sounds like the plot of a kind of like toxic love story that it's like, oh, but we just love each other and we're on the same yeah. level. But it's actually, and I'm sure now maybe you've realized that through being with someone that is stable and normal and accepts and yeah. loves you for you are, that that toxic narrative isn't that alluring once you finally snap yourself out of it well I call I call my therapist straight away and I was like hey I need to and I was like really starting to fall for this guy like on paper 
ticked every box. Love the and on paper, guys. The on paper. Oh, the on paper. We can do a whole chat about dating. Um, <laughs> and and I just said to my therapist, I'm like, but I can feel how much he really likes me. Like I can, my mm. intuition is, and he said, he probably loves you. And he's like, and that's what a narcissist will never be able to face, their own mm. love. He's like, this will wreck him and he will not be able to commit to you. He's a narcissist. You need to walk away now. And I was like mortified. And he said, I said, I need to give it one more go. I was like, you know, there's something here. And he goes, all right, this is your homework. Next time you're on a date with him, you need to tell him that you see a therapist. And I was like, oh, okay. Didn't think any, I was like, oh, sure. sure. Like, I'm pretty open. And like, I feel like in this day and age, it's not that big of a deal, you know? Right. And okay. so, and, and, my, and so I sat down with him and he said, and my therapist said, you need to say, I can tell that you were triggered the other night. So they're the two things that my therapist gave me homework. So I was like, yep. I'm like, I'm a strong woman. I've got this. <laughs> Walk into the date, sat down and I was like, hey, um, I could tell you you were triggered the other night. Do you want to talk about that with me? And he just like straight away shut down. And then I was like, okay, I'll do my next bit of homework. And I was like, I, I think you should know that I have a therapist. The judgment that fell across his face in that moment was I could just feel it. He was like, he was just like, oh, you're fucked you're crazy you're psycho you're crazy yeah right and I remember in that moment I was like oh I'll never see you again yeah I felt that myself now that's a therapist that I wouldn't have been able to do that without a therapist honestly and then I think three months later I met Bosso I think this is a yeah. really interesting conversation and I, I, I'm, you're probably the same and you've got such a large following but so many women reach out to me just feeling like they and being a single mum, a lot of single mums do, and usually not all the time, single mums come from a background of maybe some kind of pain or separation. Um, I mean, not always. It can be amicable splits. but And it's that. It's that I am not enough and I don't yeah. trust myself anymore and I'm going to go into a relationship. You know, when am I just going to find someone that's just enough? And it'll be the same repeated cycle over and over and over again. And it's, I think it's really important for women to hear that what you're saying right now and humanize that is that that cycle can repeat over and over and over again until you are ready and you are finally ready to face that and break that cycle and realize that pattern. And usually it's with a therapist, would you say? It's pretty hard to do by yourself. 100%. Yeah, no, no, you, well, I wouldn't have, I would never have realized at all. And it was a therapist that was just like, he was like, I'm going to let you feel it this week. He goes, cry as much as you want. And he's like, but you will need to get over it this week. This, and he's like, this is not your forever person. So I'm not mm. going to let you waste tears. Like he was, I, I was explaining earlier, I, I love my, it takes a while to find the right therapist. So don't think like you're going to mm. go out now and just like call, knock on someone's totally. door and you're going to have a great therapist. I need someone that is so, harsh with mm-hmm. me I love that I love masculine discipline is my favorite that almost like militant and he trains fighters actors and high-powered businessmen so wow. like it's that real people that the stakes are pretty kind of like high. a tough love kind of thing like I'm not going to sugarcoat yeah. this I'm going to tell you it's yeah. too straight yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it, so it was him that was like feel it like he's like he's like it's it's shit and it's sad he's like feel it but it hasn't been long enough for you to be mourning for more than a week. Like he's like, you've only been together for like fuck three months. He's like, let's just let it go. And do you look back at things like that and realize it was all, you know, the universe was clearing these people out of your path for a very 
deliberate reason <laughs> wasn't <Absolutely>. an accident. <laughs> yeah. And actually like all of these, all of these people served a purpose. Like I learned from that experience so much. I've never been able to stand up for myself in a relationship before. The mm. one before that I'd learned to call, pull the pin. Mm. I'd like one before that I'd learned to call out their mental health problems and force them into therapy. Like <laughs> I, each one I was like learning, learning, learning. And by the time I'd met Matt, Date two, I was like, I have a therapist and I'm freaking proud of having a therapist. So you just build this like level of it. And I think like with you, how you just mentioned about being a single mama, like you would have got the, although that relationship is over, you would have got the best gift of of your entire part of your life. Totally. You know, and I think when you start to look at even the shittier things you've been through with like this lens of what did I actually gain from that? And it's like, oh, I gained that, I gained mm. that. Like then you just become so ready and and so able to see the right stuff when it's presented for you. Mm. And, and, you know, you've got your podcast, Fearlessly Failing, and that is all about embracing failures or things that haven't gone right or um, gleaning the lessons out of times in your life that or adversity or some just decisions you you would if you could go back you would make differently how have I guess your failures shaped you to become who you are today I mean I read somewhere that the most successful people look forward to failure and I was like yeah I'm gonna be like that but I mean it's one thing saying that another thing doing it I think I mean career failures are I mean, I just take them all as like pulling the veil down. Like I think you also have a um, job in media and I think what we see of media on the outside is all glitz and glam and fame and fun events and mm. champagne, dinner, you know, all that kind of thing. It's not that. Like it's, 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 it's hard, it's gruelling and it's fickle. And you can be hot one minute and not the next yeah. and no one cares. You can be too blonde. I, I lost a gig. I actually lost an acting gig right before COVID. I got booked for it, script sent to me, everything. And I was like, great. Like I want to just get my acting chops up anyway. And two days before they called me up because my friend had booked it. So they got me the kind of like put a good word in kind of thing. And he goes, I'm so sorry. They're going to drop you from the gig. And I was like, oh, cool. no worries. Why? And he's like, you're too white. And I was like... Yeah. Well, I can't help that. Can I? And, and I just thought like, so those, so those like trip ups, those, tri- they're amazing. And even like the Corona trip up that is like, I know that's affected all of our careers and one on so many ways. It's made me realize, oh shit. Like I know what my goals are. Like it's almost being a great lesson to get so that I can get so clear on my goals, my values, what really friggin' matters. So I think any failure whether it be career or relationship or anything, all of it is a lesson to make you, if you do the work, a better human. Mm. It's so obvious to tell because you've been, you know, in the, whatever we've been chatting, 20, 30 minutes, you're so honest and you speak from your heart and you're not afraid to just call a spade a spade and say how it is. And there are so many nutritionists out there, you know, there's so many girls that are going to uni and men as well doing that. But You've always been really groundbreaking in that that you've always cut through, I guess, the noise and cut through 
the amount of people that are all doing this kind of work as well and made nutrition and made health really approachable for people through your books and television appearances. What do you think it is about you that has resonated with so many people? What, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think has cut through? Why do you think you've cut through like you have? I don't know. Like one thing is I don't see myself as super successful and that might be the self-worth kind of picture that we were talking about earlier. I think when I first got on morning, like I frigging love filming so much. Like my dream, I'd love to host a TV show Mm -hmm. one day. Like that would be the ultimate. Like I just love the pace of like live to tape or live to air. Mm -hmm. I love that anything could fuck up at any moment and you you just got to roll with it. Like I just, I love that I come alive when I'm filming and I just frigging love it. But when I first got on morning TV, I was 22. And I remember um, my business partner at the time, he'd sit sit with me in the green room and he'd say, three Ps, Lola, what are our three Ps? And I'd go, passion, pace, posture. (laughs) (laughs) And so... (laughs) That was always because when I get excited, I'd always talk too fast and get really excited. I'll do and that too. Boobs, right? So my posture would often hunch. And so he's like, pace, slow yourself down. I was like, got it. Posture, roll your shoulders back. I was like, got it. And then he's like, passion. And so, like, because that was like, I'd literally go on and be like, passion, pace, posture, like that'd be my <laughs> <gear> up <laughs> to like Kanye West music back in the day. And then I'd go on and I just, Felt, felt like I came alive. I think I never thought I'd write books. The books came after the fact. Um, TV came first and TV is to this day still my favourite medium to work in. It's just tricky in Australia that there is just so little opportunity, mm, which is really mm. sad. Um, but also it just makes me, that's why I podcast because to me it feels like the next <laughs> kind of, Mm-hmm. thing and and but yeah for me it's just be real and and since I was really young I've always been inspired by Steve Irwin and people are like what are you gonna do wrestle broccoli and I'm like oh like that guy's got serious fucking authentic passion mm. and I if I ever have a shit day I just watch Steve Irwin videos of like right we're gonna check out this crock and and he's got the funniest terminology is like this ambiguous like he knows all the scientific language but he's got the most Aussie accent and I love it so real is that what helped when you know you said earlier someone came in and said don't wear yellow and I think I recall you in um, somewhere else you've said like someone came in and just told you that you shouldn't be on television because you're what can you what was that story I can't if you can repeat that story and like is it this attitude I guess that makes you keep pushing through when people keep trying to tear you down uh yeah so I remember when I first started on morning tv someone was like commented on and this is like before YouTube was a thing but the video is on YouTube and it's like this dumb fat blonde is a failure of a nutritionist get her off the tv and I mean remember I'm 22 23 that's a very young age to be getting that kind of feedback about yourself while your body is just starting to really kind of come into its natural shape, really. And there was no social media then, so it's not like, a, you know, we've got the whole, oh, develop a thick skin, that's social media. Like, no, that wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah, big time. And I remember I did a, I had a big brainstorming meeting in Sydney. I'd caught a flight from Melbourne to Sydney and Miranda Kerr was like the face of Qantas at the time. 
And the meeting that we're kind of brainstorming, they said, oh, you know, what's your five, 10 year goal? And I was like, oh, I've got this one, but it's, I thought of it today, but it's a bit too big. And they were like, no, no, say. And I was like, oh, I saw Miranda Kerr was the face of Qantas. How cool would it be to do a campaign with Qantas? Like maybe in flight meals or, you know, do something really cool. And the person stood up in the meeting, looked me up and down and said, babe, hardly a supermodel. (gasps) So you're getting stuff like that in your early 20s and you're just like, shit. Especially when you, your whole thing is being a nutritionist and helping them feel, people feel better about themselves and upping people. You won't go, you're not setting out to be, you know, that's not your intention to be a supermodel. Do you know what I mean? That's not. Totally. So then totally. to be compared to something you're not even trying to be anyway is so unfair. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that was probably, this stuff all probably triggered the eating disorder stuff. Like if I, if I look back on it and reflect upon it. Um, but as far as like keeping me real with all the like media stuff, I just think like media is such a gift. And all I can say is like, I feel it in my heart when I'm filming something or doing something on telly. And so I'm like, well, how lucky that I get to be here. I may as well just like soak it up with every fiber of my being. And that means just be real. Yeah, totally. You touched on a little earlier about how um, one minute you can be loved, the next minute no one wants a bar of you. And you've spoken so honestly in the past about um, you went to release a diet guide, a, a dieting guide, and um, or was it a book or an online ebook? And there was quite a bit of controversy around that. This was a few years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I wrote a four-week diet plan. Um, my business partner at the time, who was also my roommate, he came home and he was like, what are we going to call it? And I was like, I just polished off a whole family-sized block of Marvelous Creations, Cadbury. And I was like, I wish we could call it Stop Being a Fat Bitch because that's how I feel right now. And he was like, oh, my God, we need to shine a light on the way women speak to one another. And I was like, I don't know, I'm going to get smashed, man. Like, I just don't think I should. And it was probably the biggest career mistake I've ever made. And he's like, no, no, let's call it Stop Being a Fat Bitch, Change Your Mental Dialogue, Change Your Life. And I was like, well, okay. Um, spent like 10 grand on the design of it. It was an ebook. Um, it came out and yeah, it blew up, like and negatively blew up. So Daily Telegraph was like career suicide. Oh my and God. Current Affair was doing it. And, um, but it was the best lesson I say this story. It was like, imagine turning a light on and cockroach just going running. Like there was nobody there. Like I can tell you on one hand how many people had my back and my dear parents, bless their cotton socks, they didn't get it really either. Like they were, dad's like, you'll be right. You've been through this before. And I was like, no, I, I, I haven't. And, and so I think um, I felt pretty alone, but it was a brilliant lesson to understand, to have my own back. There was a hashtag that was created um, called bin the berry with photos of my books in rubbish bins. So it was pretty scary, but at the same time, it it taught me that like, even especially social media, like it's so fickle and it's not all real, which I know, you know, like it's just, it's a beast really. So I just take all of that with a grain of salt, which is why I prefer like filming and, and like the, the, the kind of like the medium of film and television because to me, you just get to capture a moment that might hopefully, one of my acting teachers said, you have the ability to change someone's heart. And I love that. Mm. And to me, like social media does, but also doesn't have the ability to do mm. that. Mm. How did it feel when you were in the thick of that 
social media storm and all that trolling. Yeah, I said this actually to, I had a meeting about a month later with a manager and I said, I was flying blind. Mm. I was alone. And so I felt very alone. I actually have to thank Sophie Monk a lot for that one because she was really there so much for me because my roommate um, and her were always best and still I think to this day are best friends. And so she was around a lot while Mm. it was going on and she was like, this is not a bad thing. Trust me, you will be okay. You will move through this. And Did you believe her? her? You must have been like, no, this is the end. Or- I, I, it, was, it was nice to have somebody that mm. is so successful in media kind of be like, I promise you, you'll come through this yeah. because I, kn- I knew that she'd been through stuff. And so it was nice to have someone that had, had obviously paved her way to kind of be so kind when I was feeling quite, Um, alone and I did feel a bit like no one really understood what I was going through but the thing that blew me away the most was the amount of health influences that turned their back on me and like really used as an opportunity to promote themselves and talk about how shit the behavior that I had done like it just was all really yuck and I was like you guys are dick bags you don't even know what you're talking about Mm. yeah and how did that this moment in your career um I guess, lead you to where you are today and shape who you are today. Yeah, so this is going to sound really dour and negative, but, like, most people are dingoes, most. <laughs> I and love so the phrase now, dingoes. That's why I laugh every time. <laughs> I can say fuckwits if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Either or is fine. <laughs> um, no, a lot of people are dingoes, and my therapist has also helped me realise that because I was getting very hurt in my late 20s. I was like, oh, like, why is that person hurting me? Why is that person a dick? Da, da, da. Why is that per-? And in career, love, life, everything. And he was like, can you start to realise that most people like, cause he's like, you're being naive. You think everyone's good. They're not. Mm. And so that experience taught me really quickly that, um, not everyone is good. And the best thing is it makes the good ones really stand out. And so, um, I don't take anything for granted, but I really don't take social media for granted at all. Now I'm just like, let's just share what is real and be open and honest. And hopefully that hits the right people. That's really mm. all that matters to me. Mm, Because you are very, very open in discussing these points in your career Um, and, as we've said, your your history with eating as well. Why is it so important for you to be so honest and upfront about these kind of low points and these these tough times in your life and, and ignite those positive, not positive, ignite those vulnerable conversations? Uh. Well, I just think you've got to be real and I think that people that live true and real are rare and I'm not saying I'm some hero or martyr but I just know how I feel when someone is honest and it makes me feel alive. So mm. why not be honest in a bid to touch someone else or to help someone else? I think that's all that really matters. I think that that's my goal is to help and inspire people and I can't do that if I'm being fake. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How has your purpose differed? Like, because you've worn so many different hats, has there been a kind of similar thread that's threaded it all through? Like, what? And do you feel in alignment with that these days, even more than ever? Yeah, I mean, so my mantra has always been to inspire and to help, and I think I've been able to do that with the nutrition, with the yoga, with the books, with the podcast. So that's kind of my like go-to. Like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And and I I definitely over the years lost myself, and there was a time when I think I was doing it for fame and um, to be known 
uh, as gross as it sounds. And it's pretty yuck to even admit that. But I think in my mid twenties, I was doing it to be famous. And I just think that that's a crock of shit (laughs) and a really shit way to be living. So for me now is just like, be real, help people, inspire. And hopefully, like like I said, that teacher said, you know, we have the ability to change people's hearts. And I think, fuck, how cool is that? Mm. And I can be changed when I listen to a piece of music or when I watch something that is so inspiring or, you know, anything can change you. And I just think if you can do that in your own vocation, man, like that's a pretty cool way to live. I find that really interest uh, such an interesting point that we, you know, I think I would look at someone like you and think you've had this, you know, purpose and this goal that you've set out from before, you know, when you were walking to now and it's never deviated, but you've just admitted that that purpose can sometimes falter or can sometimes get away from you. But I guess we're the ones with the power to bring that back or to um, align ourselves with that purpose once again? Like it's not all lost if you kind of feel like you've lost your way in some way on some part of the journey for lack of better words. Totally. And I think if you do feel lost, it's a good thing because it's a great opportunity to learn. And I think like it almost goes back to what we were talking about at the start with like the weight loss. Like if you're doing something for the wrong reasons, you'll only ever get so far. You'll never get long-term success. If if someone's listening, you know, I've always considered you as someone that just leads with their heart and leads then that's, you know, feels so driven by their heart and what feels sets you alive. If someone is wanting to tap into more of that, that might be listening and feel more in alignment with their purpose and potential, what should they be doing? Whatever you do that you could do and time stops, whatever you do where you're like, oh shit, three hours has just gone by and I didn't realize when you're in that state of flow, a lot Mm. of psychologists call it, do more of that. People go to me, why are you 34? Why are you starting acting? And I'm like, it scares me so fucking much, but it fills me up and it evokes something within my heart. So I'm going to trust that. And what does that mean? That how's that going to look in two years time, three years time? Who fucking knows? Mm. You know, like, I might be the voice of a cartoon character. Who knows, right? But I've done the training to prepare me for it. You know, I just think you've got to chase that thing where something is evoked in your heart and, you, and you'll know if it's a good thing to follow or not if time stops. Like this conversation, I couldn't tell you how long we've been talking for. I don't know because I'm just in it with you. And I think find moments where that happens and do more of them. Mm. And what are those, you know, you've just said this conversation now, but are there other things? Is it doing yoga? Is it being in nature? What are Uh, the kind of things that evoke that? It it used to be, I used to say, yeah, yoga, biophilia, healing power, mother nature, but no, they're medicinal things I use to look after myself. Mm -hmm. For me, like it could be watching a great movie. It Mm -hmm. can be listening to the new Taylor Swift's um, album. Which is so good. (laughs) Oh, the Bonnevere song is amazing. Oh, my God, Um, yes, all the feels. uh, It can be acting school, you know, being, working on a scene. It can be, um, for me, like filming is my favourite thing and I know that it's rare to be able to, like, film 
all the time in a career. And so now I'm working, that's why I'm doing all the training because all this training now means that I have a better skill set to be able to be spending more time filming stuff, mm-hmm. however that might look in the future. So that's the other thing. If you're like, well, my dream is to be here and I don't know how to get there. There are steps that you can take that will build up your skill set so that one day you're ready to be there. Cause right now I know I'm ready to not ready to be on a film set or a TV set in the capacity of an actor. I don't have that skill set under my belt but I do know like at that right before COVID in like Jan Feb I filmed a big campaign for Oral B mm. and my agent wrote back and said oh my god that's the best work you've done and I was like oh that must be acting school so you know this skills you can keep working on a skill set that is going to help you so that when you are getting those moments of doing that thing you love you're ready and and mm. there's a big saying in you know media and acting like be ready stay ready like be over prepared be ready and that's what I feel like I'm doing when I'm not actively on screen or it all yeah and it sounds like always bringing yourself actively bringing yourself in alignment with that purpose and being in alignment with what feels really good for you always and as you said like you, you know you you can't just sit there being like, oh, I'd love to be an actor I'm just waiting for someone to give me a call and and offer me a role if you're not doing anything to become that yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, it takes hard, it takes massively amounts of hard work and for any career in media, I think, mm. and you would know that, it's not a walk in the park and I love that about it. What are the three main lessons do you think that you've learned in your life? Okay, three lessons. Um, know your worth because when you meet someone that's sure of themselves and not in a, like an ego arrogant way, but they just are comfortable within my boyfriend's a good example of that. He's very comfortable within who he is as a human being. Those kind of people can light a room up. So know your worth, do the work. And I don't mean like, oh, I'm going to read about politics. I mean, have a therapist work on your mental health. It, it's like we eat really well for, you know, to be nutritionist and nutritious, nourish our body. We move and do yoga or walk or run so that our body feels good and the machine functions well. What about gym for the brain? What are we doing for our mental health? So I'd, I'd say the third one would be like invest in your mental health. It will pay off so, like the amount of people that are like, oh, therapy is so expensive. No shit. But it will change your entire life forever. It doesn't go away. Like, it's not like you learn that lesson and forget it. Like, you learn that and you fucking change for the Mm. rest of your life. It's incredible. Mm. Um, And then the final one would probably be, like, trust the gut. Like, trust your intuition. It will not lead you astray. And when you were talking earlier about, you know, it's there's like a romantic side to bad love as well. And I know we know that because it's intoxicating. It's freaking great. It's like lust and whatever. But um, that's narcissistic love for you, isn't it? <laughs> In a nutshell. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's fun. Like I'm glad I've experienced it, but it, you need to be able to trust your gut. Cause I think if anybody thinks back to any of those past relationships, they're going to be like, yeah, my gut knew I knew deep totally. down. I knew there were so totally. many red flags. That's yes, totally. And what's next? You're doing so much, you know, we haven't even touched on that. You've got Lola coffee. <laughs> you, oh, yeah, I, I, too, yeah. yeah, you've got, you um, just seem to be the busiest person. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, we do have a medicinal brain. I've got to send you some. 
Love that. Never. No. Oh, no. I'll send you some after oh, this. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's delicious with a dash of oat milk or black. Um, it's so Lola coffee is like a medicinal coffee. It's specialty grade coffee. We dehydrate it to make it instant. And then we add lion's mane to it. I'm also studying full-time acting and American accent stuff. And yeah, I, I, there's a few things that until contracts are signed, I can't talk about, which sounds like such a wanker thing to say. But um, oh, it's impressive. No, <laughs> I'm no, to say that. <laughs> no, it sounds so wankery. But you, if this podcast comes out after I've signed, I'll, like I'll tell you if it comes out. <laughs> okay. after it's pretty exciting and big for me, so I'm hoping that that um, I can talk about that soon because it's going to be a huge part of my life. Um, for the next kind of year or so. Oh, so, my God. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, shit. I feel like <laughs> I've talked it up now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Boss and I are just really loving, like, nomadic gypsy mm. life. And I think that COVID has taught us that we're so excited to, like, lean more into that. Like, we're like, let's go to Byron for a couple of months after. Totally. You know? so I, th- yep. I think we're just, like, we're so lucky that we have the luxury of being able to live like that. So I think... Yeah, next year and the next little bit is just going to be like going with the flow of being a little bit of a gypsy and and just following that in yoga, we call it dharma. So just following Mm. that purpose. Mm, Love that. What advice would Lola now tell the Lola in her darkest, most difficult moments? Oh, like I think you got this, but more so than that is like I wish I started seeing a therapist in my 20s. I wish like anybody listening to this, like if you find the right fit, run with your therapist because you will be able to grow exponentially in every single part of your life. And so if I, I said to Matt only two days ago, I was like, Fuck, imagine if we started seeing a therapist in our 20s. Yeah. Wow. So the stigma of mental health has got to go, like it's got to go because it's so, it is like your superpower seeing a therapist. Yeah, I love that. I think that's such a powerful note to finish on. Thank you. Thank you Thank so much. You. That was awesome. I loved every second of that chat. That was so good. Thank you. Oh, mate. I feel like we could do a whole other one, like just on any topic you want. <laughs> Dating narcissists maybe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Trust me though, I see your experience. It does lead you to the right one eventually. It does. Yeah. No, I've taken, I've taken a lot away and I think um, – it's funny how things all come to you at the exact right time. I think just me personally, and I'm hoping everyone else that listens to it feels it as well. I feel like I needed to listen to exactly what you've said today right now. So, because we were meant to do it a couple of days ago. and for, it just I know. And, but it was right now that for me personally, I needed to hear everything you said today. So I really appreciate it. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lemonade. If you'd like to follow Lola, listen to her podcast, Fearlessly Failing, and check out her books, I've popped the links in the show notes. As always, you can connect with me at Elizabeth O'Neill. I know I say this every week, but if you're enjoying this podcast, I'd be so appreciative if you could leave a review, hit five stars and subscribe. This helps boost Lemonade in the rankings and will hopefully mean more people will find this content who perhaps really need it. Thanks again and stay safe. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.